0: I'm the pastor of Modern Worship here, and I want to thank you for being uh, in this place today, worshiping with us. Uh, Worship's been good today, hasn't it? Um, I'm going to try to not screw that up, if if at all possible. Um, Yeah. So uh, I got a lot out of that uh, children's message, too. Sometimes the children's message is better than, than the adult message. Uh, it probably today will be. Um, uh, and and I, I felt that because I, I judge people. I'll be honest. When I saw the color of Sean's pants today, I judged him. <laughs> they were pink pants. And I confess before all of you. <laughs> um, a couple of things I wanted to mention before we get started into the word today. Um, uh, next week, who knows, who knows that we've got holidays coming up? Uh, yes, probably. It, it, many of you are stressed out about what you're going to cook this week already. Um, so we're, we're, next week, we're actually going to be decorating because, uh, if, if you don't know, we celebrate Advent. Now, when I first interviewed for a job at Salem, the first thing they were saying was, well, we're trying to hire somebody before Advent. I remember saying, What's Advent? I had no idea. I didn't grow up in a church where they celebrated Advent. We celebrated Christmas, but we didn't have this extended time where we are anticipating the coming of Christ. And so all of December, we're going to be celebrating Advent where we're looking forward to the coming of Christ. We are going to be decorating in this room after our 1045 service next week. So if you wanna stick around, we're gonna have some lunch, we're gonna have some stuff kids can do, uh, some some activities for children, and we're, we would love to have your help in this place to decorate and make this place look really awesome for uh, our guests who will be joining us in, in Christmas. and. Just the people who are going to be worshiping with us. Um, so that's going to be next week after our our 10:45 uh, service. Mentioning our 10:45 service, we do have we, we have been doing two services for our modern worship uh, uh, for for a couple of years. We are actually going to be going to just one service at 9:30 uh, only. So starting uh, at the beginning when when we start to do Advent, we're only going to have one modern service continuing forward. We will be offering at 1045 an Advent Bible study, so if you you come to this place and you think, man, I wish Tim would talk more, and I could hear him talk on and on, you can come at 1045, and it's not just going to be me talking. We're going to be doing an Advent Bible study, and what it is going to be is we're going to deep dive into some of the scriptures that we're talking about during the sermons, and it's going to be more interactive, so you can talk back to me uh, hopefully uh, respectfully, but uh, you can talk to us and we can discuss these scriptures and kind of get into things in more in depth at 1045. So that's going to be coming up in a couple weeks. Now, we are in the second week of our uh, Rules to Live By sermon series. Now, if you remember what we were talking about last week, we were talking about Wesley's Three Simple Rules and, and just a little bit about John Wesley. As I talked about last week, uh, it's, it's kind of a fascinating story. John Wesley. Was an Anglican minister, uh, and he came from England to uh, to America uh, to to be basically a missionary. Um, And he wanted to. He was trained. He had done his schooling. He had been ordained by the Anglican Church. Um, The only problem was he didn't really know Jesus. That's kind of a problem when you're a missionary. Uh, he found that his ministry in the United States was very fruitless. He, he wasn't really seeing anything happen. Um, and he, in fact, had kind of a, a crisis, an internal crisis, where he couldn't even tell personally if he knew what a relationship with God looked like. Um, however, he, he went back to England, and of course, like many of us, when we have these times where we feel like a failure, we, we kind of want to hide. We don't want to be around anybody. And, and that's the way John Wesley was, but he was invited um, to a, uh, a church meeting, and uh, he didn't want to go. Who, is not, who, who, is, who woke up this morning and was like, ah, I don't want to go to church? A lot of times when you feel like you don't want to go to church, that's the day you've got to go to church. Because something's going to happen. Something, is, something powerful is about to happen when, when you have this feeling like, I don't want to be there. Well, that's what he had, this feeling, I don't want to be there. He goes to this meeting, and in worship, something happens which just changed everything. He felt the presence of God, and, he, and the way he talked about it was like a burning, like, a, like a, some kind of warmth or fire on the inside of his heart that changed him. And from that day forward, he knew God in a way that transformed the way he lived. So the interesting thing about John Wesley was before he before he had this life encounter, he was already living uh, what we might consider a godly life, but it was fruitless. And what happened was when he was transformed by the power of God by an encounter, we were, they were singing that song about the transforming power of the presence of God. Um, when he encountered the presence of God, it changed everything, and and suddenly, he, he he was fruitful and started a whole movement, and you're in this place because of that movement, because one person was changed and transformed by the power of God on the inside of them just by being in his presence. It changed him. Now, what he did was he came up with three rules. Now, uh, I, I hesitate to use that word. I think we talked about this before, rules. Um I know uh some people who has a problem with rules. Um I know sometimes Pastor Terry has a problem with rules. I think she thinks that uh uh um uh when when she's driving that uh the speed limit is a suggestion. But so we all have we all have our own issues with rules. Uh what I want you to remember is that rules in spiritually speaking, when we're talking about these rules uh, that John Wesley came up with, the rules are a confirmation, not a condition of a relationship with God. The rules are a confirmation, not a condition of a relationship with God. So when I give you these rules, I'm not saying do these things and you'll know God. No, what, what we're saying is that these things show that you are a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, these things should be present in your life. It's not the other way around. It's not like you do these things and then you'll know God. No, it's when you have encountered God, when your life has been changed and transformed by God, these things will be present. Let let me share these rules that John Wesley had. Now, these are bullet points, okay? Bullet points, um, and they don't have all the details, but they're the three rules. Here they are, do no harm, and we talked about that one last week. Do good and stay in love with God. Now, again, the rules are a confirmation, not a condition of a relationship with God. Now, last week we talked about do no harm, and this week I want to talk about do good. And I, 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 I want to stress that point that I made just a second ago uh, even more so, it, just in the sense that when you love God, when you've, in your life has been changed and transformed by a personal relationship with him, these things will be present. Uh, you cannot white-knuckle these things. You cannot try to do these things in order to earn God's uh, approval. Let me let me say this. God loves you. God approves of you, and that's why he, he saved you, and that's why he wants a relationship with you. And when you are in a relationship with God, these things will be present. Um, I, I want to share a, a really, to me, a very, very inspiring scripture from, from John 14. This is verses 12 and f- 12 to 14 from, from uh, the Gospel of John. I assure you that whoever believes in me, now this is, this is the words of Jesus. He's giving these to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. I assure you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. They will do even greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father, I will, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. When you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is one of those mind-blowing scriptures, okay, that, that sometimes we read, but it's harder to believe than it is to read. Hear this again. Jesus Christ, the, the most A powerful person who has ever lived on this earth said this. They, who, okay, let me point, uh, who here is a disciple of Jesus? They will do even greater works. Do you hear that? You hear that, but do you believe that? You will do even greater works. Now, that begs the question, what are the greater works, right? Right? What are the greater works? And it, does that mean that you're going to do miracles? Does that mean that you're going to raise the dead? Does that mean that you're going to do all of these things that Jesus did? So it begs the question: What are the greater things that Jesus did? Um, now, I, I'm blown away by the miracles that Jesus did, um, and 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 I do believe that miracles happen today, and I do believe that God can use us to be. Um, his hands and feet and to do miraculous things. However, let me say this about the miracles. Um, uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Is Lazarus still around? No, he's not. Jesus uh, healed a lot of lepers. Did those lepers keep living? No. See, the, the, the greater things that Jesus did, the miracles were amazing, but the only miracle that had any lasting significance on the earth was the resurrection. It was the resurrection of Jesus, was the one miracle that had lasting significance. The other miracles were actually just pointing towards one thing, and that was the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus' love is what really was the message of His miracles. Now you are on this, on this earth. You are transformed by a personal relationship with Jesus. I want you to say this to your neighbor. You're different and you're here to make a difference. Turn to somebody and say that. Some of you really believe that about your neighbor. You're different. <laughs> say it one more time to somebody else. You're different and you're here to make a difference. So in 1 Peter 2.9, and I'm going to read this from the King James Version because it has a word that I love. 1 um, Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen generation. And I want you to take this in because this is you. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and here's the one part that I really love, a peculiar people. Turn to somebody and say, you're peculiar. Again, so there's a lot of peculiar people in this room. So, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're peculiar. You're different, and you're here to make a difference. Um, back in uh, 1964, has anybody ever heard the story of Kitty Genovese? Um, kind, of, kind of a famous story, um, in the early mornings of uh, in the early morning of March thirteenth, nineteen sixty four, a twenty eight year old American uh, bar manager named Kitty Genovese was stabbed to death outside of her apartment uh, in uh, Kew Gardens. It's a neighborhood in uh, Queens, New York. Uh, the New York Times wrote an article about this and conveyed the fact that th- probably thirty seven or thirty eight people witnessed the murder. Uh, there was time f- for somebody to help her, but nobody did. Uh, in fact, she, she died in front of a, uh, an apartment building that was, that was lined with apartments full of people who witnessed this horrible tragedy and did nothing about it. And it, we as people tend to think about our lives, we, we tend to take things in, and we tend to think that somebody else should be doing something, right? Right? We tend to go through our world, and when we see something bad, we think, well, somebody should do something. Um, uh, The the story of Kitty Genovese uh, caused a lot of um, discussion about something called the bystander effect or the Genovese uh, syndrome, which is this idea that we all think that somebody else should get involved, but not us. The truth is that we are a peculiar people. We are different, and we're here to make a difference. You are different, and you're here to make a difference. What would it look like? What do you think Superman thinks when he wakes up in the morning? I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about your routine. I want you to think about what it would look like If in your life you woke up every morning and when you woke up, you could look in the mirror and you could say, I'm a child of God. I'm different and I'm here to make a difference. In the lives of my children, I'm different and I'm here to make a difference. In the lives of the people I work with, I'm different and I'm here to make a difference. Everywhere you go, you're not a bystander. You are not a bystander. You are different, and you are here to make a difference. Um, one, of, one of my favorite books uh, is this book, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. It's really powerful. Um, it's a funny name, right, Crazy Love, but it's, it's basically just about the love of God, which which he says is so crazy and reckless and different than a- anything you've ever experienced. And it should change how you live. It should change what you do. It should make you want to be different to make a difference. And uh, he's got a great chapter in here um, towards the end where it's uh, the chapter is titled, Who Really Lives That Way? And I wanted to read a couple of profiles he puts in here that, that I think are really, really powerful. Because when I say this, you're different and you're here to make a difference, you might say, I believe that. I know that I've been changed. I know that I've been transformed. But what does that look like? So I'm going to sh- share a couple stories of people. Um, the first one is, is close to my heart. It's uh, a guy named Rich Mullins. Um, we've, we've done some of his music here. Um, he was a singer-songwriter. Um, and uh, let me read a little bit about his story. Rich Mullins was born in 1955 in Richmond, Indiana, the third of six children. He began to study music at a young age and wrote his first song on the piano when he was just four years old. Rich attended a Quaker church growing up, which later influenced his songwriting. He got his start writing songs for a big-name big recording artist, but in 1985, he recorded his first album. For the next 12 years, he made music, toured, and ministered to thousands of people. Two of his most well-known songs are Awesome God and Step by Step. His songs have been covered by artists like John Tesh, Rebecca St. James, Michael W. Smith, Third Day, Jars of Clay. Despite his success in the music industry, Rich often ruffled the feathers of Christian music culture. He didn't consider music to be his purpose in life. Uh, To him, it simply um, uh, enabled him to pursue the higher calling of loving people, children, his neighbors, enemies, and non-Christians. Sometimes he showed up to his concerts unshaven and barefoot. I think I've done that, showed up here that way. To keep others from putting him on a pedestal, he would often confess his sins and his failures in public during his concerts. In 1995, he he moved to a Navajo reservation in Arizona to teach music to children who lived there. Rich never knew how successfully his albums sold because the profits from his concerts and albums went directly to his church. They paid him a small salary and gave the rest of the money away. In September of 1997, Rich and his friend were driving a, uh, to a benefit concert in Rich- Wichita, Kansas, and their Jeep flipped, and both men w- were thrown from the car. Rich was killed. Uh, when a passing semi swerved to miss a Jeep and accidentally hit him. He was 41 years old. That's somebody who was different, and he made a difference. The next person I want to read about is just named Rings. That's a good name. Francis Chan writes this. I don't know exactly how old Rings is, but but he's definitely what you would call an old man. His home is the cab of his pickup which he parks near downtown Ocean Beach, Florida. He is a chain smoker, an ex-convict, an ex-addict, and ex-alcoholic. Rings likes to say that if Jesus saved him, then Jesus is able to save anyone and everyone. So instead of using his monthly check to buy alcohol or a hotel room for himself, he spends it on food at the local supermarket. He transfers the food he buys to coolers in the back of his truck, and then he drives to the beach and make, makes meals for his fellow homeless. While preparing the food, Rings tells the c- gathering crowd about the freedom that Jesus brought into his life. He tells them that God is the one who told him to feed others with his money, and that is because God loves each of them. This man gives everything he has to others, literally Everything. Because he knows that he has nothing that wasn't given to him. Uh, he, because he, has, he knows he has nothing that wasn't given to him by God. This is somebody who's different, and he's here to make a difference. I'm going to share one more story. George Mueller this is a little bit of an older story. George was born in Prussia in 1805. And was attending the University of Howe, uh, of Hal when he became a Christian. Up until uh, up until then, he had been infamous for gambling debts, drunken stories, and escapades. But his life was transformed when he came to know Jesus Christ. He finished school and left for England to be a preacher. He and his wife uh, eventually settled in Bristol, England where they saw many orphans roaming the streets uncared for, unfed, often sick, virtually guaranteed death at a young age. At this time, writers like Charles Dickens and William Blake had not yet brought attention to the plight of these children, and nothing had been done yet to help them. George and his wife decided to start an orphanage that would be entirely free of charge, for which they would never ask any money or support. When they had needs, they would go to God alone, Trusting that he would give them everything they needed, many people were incredulous, and so the Mueller's pur- uh, and so the Mueller's purpose in starting the er- orphanage was twofold. First, was to aid the orphans. The second was to show people what it looked like when you trust God for everything. When the, first orphan, uh, when the first orphan house opened, George and his wife Mary prayed for everything they needed. According to George's meticulous records, God provided all they asked for. By the time George died in 1898, over 10,000 orphans had been housed and cared for, cared for in the five orphan houses they had built. During his lifetime, a million and a half pounds went through George's hands in the form of donations. He directed every cent towards those in need. And after his death, a British paper wrote of George that he robbed the cruel streets of thousands of victims, the jails of thousands of felons, and the poorhouses of thousands of helpless waifs. Another newspaper noted that it all had been accomplished by one thing, by prayer. That's just a couple stories of what it looks like when we can take hold of this calling that we are different, that we've been changed by a love so powerful. The love that Jesus showed us when he died on a cross for our sins and he set us free from sin and death, not to just live useless lives, not to just keep going like we've always gone, to be different and to make a difference. Don't you want to be different? Don't you want to make a difference like, like these people? Don't you want to live for something? Don't you want your children to have lives that are filled with purpose? I'm going to invite the the band back up to the stage. If this sounds strange to you, if it sounds like something you've never really seen or something you've never really experienced, I want to make an invitation today that you can be different and you can make a powerful difference in this world. And it very well may be that you've been in church a lot. You've, you've gone to church, and you've even heard the stories about what Jesus did for you, but that that hasn't become a transformational thing on the inside of you. Like John Wesley, you might have known everything about God, but you haven't known God. I want to make the invitation today that you can actually know him. And all it means is that when we pray in a moment, is that you just open your heart, and you say, God, I want to know you. I want to give my life to you. I want to be changed. I want to be different so that I can make a difference for your kingdom today. It's, it's, it is simple, as, as simple as giving your life away to him, and you can do that today. So if you would, we're going to pray, and then the band is going to play this song, and we're going to worship again. But if you would pray with me, and and I just ask that if you have not experienced the life-changing transformation of knowing God, that you would open your heart to him, that you would say yes, that you would give yourself over to him so that you can be different, you can be changed and transformed so that you can transform this world. Lord God, we love you. We thank you. that we're not going to live ordinary lives, but because of you, our lives will be extraordinary. That because of you, we're going to make a difference in this world. We're going to transform this world, not through anything that we can accomplish, Lord, but only through the power of your Holy Spirit moving through us to do your will in this world. Lord God, I pray that you would transform us And if anybody is in this place and they don't know you, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move on their heart and that they would know that they can just say yes to you, that they can just give their life over to you and that can change everything. I pray for transformation in those who have never known you and in those who know you now but want to be even more transformed into your likeness. Change us, God. Make us different so that we can make a difference, Lord. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.